Good morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Chris Lafoy. Chris is the operations manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario and joins us this morning as co-host. Well, Chris, tomorrow is Valentine's Day and romance is in the air. And romance scams are in the news. Later, we'll look at BBB report about online <coughs> romance scams. And we're doing more and more things online. Later, we'll meet the owner of Dynamic Tours, a company that has taken home tours online. If you've ever had anyone say, you should write a book, you'll be interested in our conversation with our first guest this morning. Christine Hobbs is the owner of Indie Publishing Group, a company that helps writers publish their work. Welcome to Ask BBB, Christine. Thank you. So what is the first step for people who have decided that they are going to um, take up the advice of people who've told them you should write a book? Uh, the first step, most people will come to us. They've, you know, they've written down some, uh, you know, over the years, they've either written a story or they've just started writing, especially right now um, when everybody's at home. A lot of people have started to uh, put some uh, put some of their stories onto paper. So the first step is realistically getting, you know, pen to paper. Um, once you have that, um, it's really just about deciding on your steps, whether you're going to self-publish or you're going to go the traditional route. So that's the first step. It's just, you know, deciding if you're going to take it on yourself because self-publishing is pretty, pretty intense if, you know, you're first starting out um, or if you're going to try to do the traditional route. So at what point do the, the authors contact uh, your company or a company like Indie Publishing Group, uh, Chrissy? Um, most of them start. Uh, so we'll usually get uh, contact requests to saying, you know, I've, you know, I've got a, a story here. I don't really know if it's, you know, worth you know, pushing it further. So what we usually do is we'll get those requests and we'll take it to our editors. Our editors are the ones that are going to do a manuscript evaluation on it and kind of give them an idea of, is it ready to publish or do they have a lot of um, editing to go and writing uh, fix-ups to go? So that's kind of the first start um, is, you know, to try to see where you are in the stage because, you know, you could have that story, but it could be the first stage of the story, or it could be, you know, they've worked on it, they've edited it over the years. There's so many steps to it. Um, so it's really just kind of seeing where they are in the process. So can you kind of describe to us the steps in the publishing group will take uh, with the manuscript that a writer submits? So usually we'll get a manuscript in. Uh, we send that over to our editors. We try to match our editors and our authors up by their genre, um, just so they're all kind of working on things that they actually enjoy. And, and sometimes at a, like an author will come to us and they'll say, I'm just looking for copy editing. And then we'll get authors that have never, never published anything. And they'll come and they'll say, I don't know what the next step is. So usually we'll take it to the editor, say, let us know what you think of it. They'll either suggest, you know, say it's in pretty good shape. Let's go ahead um, and just do a copy edit and then a proofread once it's done. Um, or they could say, you know what, I need to let's let's do a manuscript evaluation or a content edit. They could suggest a wide range of edits depending on the the manuscript that comes across the desk. Um, but they also sometimes will touch base with the authors because you know every manuscript is different that comes across their desk, and every author's you know steps and stages that they're in are you know a different stage. Can you just go into a little more depth uh, on the differences between a a copy edit? and a manuscript edit and, and what a person should expect uh, with those kinds of edits? 
there's a range. There's, there's so many. So I'll kind of give you a breakdown. There's, you know, the developmental and content edits. Those are the ones um, that tend to take the longest. You work one-on-one with your editor. You go back and forth. Um, you're actually digging deep into it. So you're building your characters. You're building your plot. Those are very intensive edits. So you are, it's not just you send it over and you let the editor go on its uh, on their own. This is a lot of uh, back and forth between the editors. So those tend to be very time consuming um, edits. So that could, you know, you could be with an editor for six months, a year, um, depending on how back and forth you go. So those are really in-depth, but those build your so if your book um, and your story doesn't have all the, the right elements, that's the type of edit you want because that's that's what you need for a successful book. Um, but there's some times where you can get, uh, you know, you might just need a little bit of developmental edit because you, you might have all the really good starting points of a book, but you might just need a little bit or you might need a lot. Um, where there's copy edits. Copy edits are, you know, not just covering spelling and punctuation, it actually, it looks at like different things, uh, you know, with sentence structure and fine tuning flow and things like that. You don't always just skip right to a copy edit, although that seems to be the stage that people find themselves at wanting right away. If you don't know the type of edits, ask us what, you know, what is needed. Um, the manuscript evaluations, those are beneficial for people that really haven't, you know, had anybody kind of look at their work before because that'll give, that gives the, uh, the editor their information and they'll actually break it down into like a six to 10 page evaluation on everything they see, any flaws, any holes in the story. Um, so before they start the actual editing process, which can be very expensive if you don't kind of fix these things before. So a manuscript evaluation is actually really beneficial uh, for people who haven't had as much experience uh, with writing. So with those, if you can, you know, if you can get your manuscript evaluation, you can take six months, fix everything that they suggested, come back, and you might have spent half as much money later on because you fixed it yourself before you got to the editing stage. So once the book has gone through, you know, this process, does Indie Publishing Group distribute the work either in an ebook format or a hard copy version? So we do nothing to do with the publishing process. So all of our authors are self-published. So when an author comes to us, they're going to do, they're coming to us for services. We provide every service that can get you to the publishing stage, but you're responsible for everything. So you're the, you're the marketer, you're the uh, distributor. Most of our authors are publishing print on demand, so they don't have to take on the you know, shipping and publishing, all that kind of normal traditional stuff. They all use print on demand. We don't do anything for them in that sense. We don't take any of the royalties because we're just providing the services. But at the end of the day, the authors are the the actual publisher. So what sort of cost is involved in all of this, Chrissy? So it really just kind of depends on what you need. Um, Editing, as I said, it's a a range. Um, So budget-wise, when you're looking at it, we have on our website, we kind of have a guideline price wise, you know, you're probably looking at overall from every step of the way you're probably if you're just looking at a basic fiction book, um, at least a 1000 to 2000, depending on what you spend it on, because you can spend more on editing, um, you can spend more on cover design, 
You can spend more on marketing. It really just kind of depends. There's no right or wrong answers for the budget. Um, everybody has a different budget. So for us, we'll try to help as much as we can to make sure they're putting the best quality out. Chrissy, thanks very much for your time here this morning. I'm sure there are some people now who have decided they're going to use some of this extra time that they have to sit down and have a go at writing that book. <laughs> thanks for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Christine Hobbs is the owner of Indie Publishing Group, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau. Learn more about them by searching Publishing Consultant in the BBB directory. Coming up after a short break, how people are taking home tours while staying home and staying safe. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Chris Lavoie. Chris is the operations manager with BBB serving Western Ontario. So real estate sales are still very brisk in the London area in spite of the COVID lockdowns and distancing protocols. One of the services that helps real estate agents and potential purchasers is Dynamic Tours. We welcome owner Melissa Broad to learn more about what they do, how it works. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, good morning. So maybe just to start, you could kind of give us the elevator pitch on what your company does. Absolutely. So uh, we are a digital marketing company that deals primarily in real estate. So we provide services such as photography, videography, drone photos, videos, um, graphic design, logo design, that sort of thing. So can you describe what's involved when you start producing a, a dynamic tour, Melissa? Yeah. A dynamic tour is a video tour. So it allows our clients, our viewers to view a space virtually. Um, our team takes about one to two hours to, to go to a property, collect the footage of the space, then we bring that back to our studio for editing, where we can piece together the footage into a video for our viewers online. Um, depending on the length of the video and the request, obviously, um, we usually have photos and videos ready for our clients in about 48 to 72 hours. So how have the COVID restrictions impacted Dynamic Tours? Yeah, so it's definitely been challenging, but I think in the end things are going well. We are considered an essential service because we do provide that support for real estate agents and even for buyers and sellers too, especially since people are finding it more difficult to view houses in person right now. So a dynamic tour gives you the opportunity to view a house virtually. Um, obviously, we've had to change our policies and our protocols to ensure that we're entering homes safely. So, you know, we'll, we wear gloves and masks. We're asking the homeowners now to ensure that you know, they, they open the doors, the bedroom doors, everything, turn on the lights for us. So that way we can minimize what we're touching when we are there. But yeah, there's there's been a lot of changes, but, you know, we're still doing what we can and, and we're getting through. So, yeah. How close to uh, an open house walkthrough does your dynamic tour turn out to be? Uh, do we have any control over where we go with the, the video tour or does it just take us through it? So for us, the dynamic tours, they just take it, take you through. Um, but we do, we even do like the opening of the door. So we'll start outside um, doing a pans of the outside and we actually walk up to the front door. The door will open for us. And then we kind of walk through each room so you can see everywhere and, and get that, that physical walking through the house. If you're thinking of booking this type of service, what are some of the things we should look for and what are the, some of the questions that we should be asking? Um, yeah, so I think if you're looking to book a service, um, one of the important things that, that to know is real estate photography is different than um, portrait photography. So first of all, you want to see, so see some 
portfolio. You want to see some examples of, of what the photographer has done? Because I, I find some photographers in real estate can get caught up in creativity because we are photographers, we're artists, right? Mm. But in real estate, it's really, it's, it's focused on the property. So the main uh, objective is to, to show the space so that buyers um, can see what they're buying. So I find sometimes photographers, you'll see pictures of uh, a beautiful vase on a coffee table, which is, it's a beautiful a photo, but for, from a buyer's perspective, you know, we're not buying the vase, we're buying the space. So you mm. want to see the walls, you want to see the windows, you want to see those types of things. So I think it's important to see examples of what the photographer has done so that you can, so you know that your photographer is taking the right type of photos for, for your, uh, your property. Now you mentioned uh, there's a difference between your real estate and uh, portrait or or regular photography. You do both, don't you, with dynamic tours or in your service? Yes, yes we do. We do absolutely. So t- tell us how you uh, change hats then when you go from uh, that more clinical work of uh, real estate photography to uh, say a portrait photography. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, um, portrait photography is definitely more creative. There's more, um, you know, ability to, to kind of be creative and, and try new things. And, you know, you're talking with your clients, so you're, you're doing things that, you know, they want to try and you kind of, you get to be more creative in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very different from real estate. Um, so it's, yeah, you have to change your mindset when you're going into a portrait photo session versus a, a real estate real estate uh, portrait session. How has the availability of technology, everybody's got a phone that does photography now, uh, how has that impacted your business overall? You know what, um, in our company, I feel like the demand for portraits has definitely gone down. Um, that isn't to say that portrait work itself is no longer sought after, but just that our, our company's focus has kind of changed. Um, we have found an amazing niche in real estate photography um, and we have really established our brand in that industry. So we, we tend to stick there. Um, now, prior to COVID, we were doing a lot more portraits. Yeah, I, I feel like it has definitely gone down, unless you're talking more about the, the wedding photography, um, family portraits, um, things like that. But yeah, we're, we're finding more especially in this market, more need for real estate um, than the portraits. So I'm looking to sell my house. Do I contact you or does the real estate agent contact you for your services? Um, well, usually it's the real estate agents that are, that are our clients. We mentioned the fact that we all have these phones. What's the difference between what a, an agent might do with their phone walking through a, a house and what uh, dynamic tours would produce for that agent. Yeah, so I have seen the smartphone videos and and I find in a lot of a lot of times they're much longer. Um, the nice thing is we have expertise in videography. We we edit our our videos, we edit our photos. So, you know, we know um, that you know you only have to see a couple seconds of one room in order to get the feel for it, right? Whereas sometimes, you know, if you don't know the um, the ins and outs of it, then maybe you're focusing too much. And, and the downside to having a really long video is that people get bored, right? So you, you want to edit it so that you're, you're 
giving the viewer an experience of going through the house without, you know, taking too long to go through it, you know, things like that. Well, Melissa, I'm sure that there are some folks who will be going to the BBB directory and uh, looking for dynamic tours and actually uh, seeing some examples of your work because we can't show the picture here on radio. <laughs> but we want to thank you very much for your time here this morning and joining us on Ask BBB. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Our guest has been Melissa Broad, who is the owner of Dynamic Tours, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau. And as we mentioned, go to the BBB directory and look up Dynamic Tours, and you'll be able to take one of those tours. Online romance scams can be costly both financially and emotionally. Coming up, we'll look at what happens when Cupid's arrow isn't on the straight and narrow. And we're back with more. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Chris Lavoie. This morning, Chris is the operations manager with BBB serving Western Ontario. Uh, Chris, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, a day of flowers and flowery phrases. But not to dampen the spirits, it might be a time to remind people of the romance scams that are also happening out there. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems the isolation of COVID and the increased time we are spending online has resulted in an increase in the losses to romance scams. So over the past three years in the U.S. and Canada, victims have reported losing nearly $1 billion. And BBB estimates that since most of the people or the victims don't file a complaint, uh, this may just be a tip of the iceberg. Wow. And there's more than money lost here. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's emotional harm that is sometimes more painful than the loss of money. In most cases, the scam has gone on for months. The fraudsters have built trust. They built emotional attachment. Uh, sometimes they send flowers, small gifts, all as part of the scam. So how do these scams get started, Chris? So the scammers use dating websites, um, dating apps, Facebook, and any other social media. They're very clever. So they use stolen credit cards to join these sites. They build these fake profiles. They often make Facebook pages. In most cases, they try to persuade the victim to move to another form of online communication, you know, like email or texting. Okay. When that happens, is that a red flag? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the scammers want to communicate on platforms where they are not likely to be detected as frauds. So the dating sites do check to find bogus profiles. So if you're asked to start contacting um, somebody by email or by text instead, or through um, you know a, a different dating app or site, uh, be suspicious. So who who do they target? So I mean, the thing about romance scams is they target all types of people. Anybody can be a victim of a romance scam, whether you're male, female, young, old, straight, gay, anybody who is lonely and looking for a relationship. Now, you said earlier that the scam's gone for months? Yeah, and you can read about the stages of the scam in the report that is available on the BBB.org website. It details how scammers slowly build trust by finding out details of the victim's life, um, their dreams, their family background, their assets. During this stage, they will uh, also isolate the victims. If the victim tells the fraudster that a friend or a relative is asking questions, the scammer will urge the victim to you know, question the motives of that friend or relative. And you got to remember, these are con men. Um, con is short for confidence. So their whole scheme is designed to build confidence. Uh, they may take weeks, months, or even a year before they you know, feel the victim is attached enough to start giving them money. Well, so what advice can we leave people with this morning, this day before Valentine's? 
Well, I mean, you certainly take the time to read the report on the BBB.org website. It's titled Online Romance Scams. And if you are involved in an online relationship and you have not actually or virtually met the person, uh, then no matter how genuine it feels, you should be suspicious. Um, You should always talk to friends and family about it. Well, the fact that tomorrow is Valentine's Day is probably a good time to bring up the subject with anybody in your circle of friends or family who might be alone or, or looking for a relationship. Absolutely. And before we wrap up today's uh, program, we want to remind everyone that we are conducting monthly power chats for professionals who provide service to businesses and to individuals. The first in the series featured information about programs available to assist businesses impacted by the COVID-19 lockdowns and protocols. It was held in late January. The webinar was recorded and you can access it through the BBB.org website. And as always, before we sign off, we want to remind listeners that you can contact us anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. And if you have a question or a guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Chris Lavoie. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.